0: Welcome to the CowCast, episode 31, Shop Talk.
1: Alright, welcome in. I'm Eric. I am James. And we have a fun topic
0: for you today.
1: We do! We're going to talk about... I guess the best way to put it would be, what is the perfect comic book store or at least what is a comic book store that is not off-putting and insulting right and uh we we spend a little time driving around to well we kind of do this every couple of months we'll drive around to different stores uh we'll try to hit a circuit and go to you know five six seven eight nine ten different stores and get ideas and most of the time what we do is we get a we get a few ideas that we want to steal and and put in our store. It's, we're not going around to try to trash other stores. We're trying to go steal good ideas because that's what the most successful people do is steal other people's good ideas. And it's worked for us in a lot of different ways. We've taken little things um, every trip and Im- improved some department, some area of the store. And, uh, I think it's a valuable thing to do for anyone who has a store is to go around and see what people are doing well or what they're doing that you shouldn't do. But, uh, we had a very, very interesting trip this last time because we sort of hit the polar opposites of stores. We didn't, hit, we didn't end up really finding anything in the middle. We hit just the polar opposites of both offerings and i guess what they what what their definition of a comic book story is yeah and i get uh one of the
0: things that a lot of people appreciate about our show is that we we don't stray too negative so in that light uh what we're going to talk about really i guess some people may view it as a negative but we're going to just phrase it in the reality of this is what we saw this is what we experienced and this is the reaction that we had and others that we've talked to have about it. So we're going to stick to that. Uh, and then also, when I go, when I travel for my other work, uh, like I was in New England and New York, and I put up an episode that kind of talked about some of those shops. I do that so that anyone traveling to those areas kind of knows, has a little primer on what's going on. We're not going to really review the shows around or the, the stores around us. On
1: this show, as our competition, but um, well, and we don't. And the other thing is, part of that not going too negative is not naming names, right? Exactly.
0: <clears throat> so but, just be aware of that. Um, but we did hit. I think we hit five shops, four shops. We only had a sh- like a
1: three and a half hour window, so we right. we were busting tail, right? Well, we had a three and a half hour window, and then an hour for beer. So <laughs> That's <right>. I, the <laughs> so the the gist of it is that was a staff meeting, by the way. Of course. Obviously, there are, you know, everybody has a different idea of what a perfect comic store should be, or at least what a good comic store should be, and I kind of have a, uh, had a different way of getting into comics than Eric did, because I've been into comics for almost my entire life, and I was going to shows at a young age, and I was going to um, lots of different comic stores. In flea this markets area where you were specifically looking for comics sure sure but but more specifically com- comic book stores in in this area in Milwaukee and Madison um, there there used to be a, a ton of them I was going to stores before the crash and um, I remember all the different types of stores that were out there some of them great some of them bad some of them left a really bad taste in my mouth when I was seven or eight years old some of them just blew me away. So I have kind of a different idea of what I want to take away from a store. And I, I sort of look for the type of place where you could spend hours and hours digging around. I like having a destination spot. I like being able to go somewhere and and whether it's dig through back issue bins, look at, uh, Cool collectible toys, or out-of-print board games, or anything like that, where you some place where you could find a treasure. You know, even if if you have to pay market price for it, I want I want to be able to go and find something really, really cool. Um, I the, I want it to be almost like a treasure hunt.
0: Now, well, and I guess before we go in too far, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how we've set up our store. It's not a difficult to find treasure hunt, but there's treasure
1: everywhere. And, sure. And different kinds of treasure. It's know. Well, yeah, it's very true. And obviously, back issues are the big thing. But uh, the the opposite of that is kind of the very, very – and we're, cl- we're a clean store too. We're an organized, clean store. And a lot of the places – that's sort of the, the big problem is that a lot of the places that have the uh, treasure hunt feel – look like your stereotypical comic shop that's been around since the 70s and they've had the same stock for that long. Um, I like digging through stuff. I, li- I love going to places like that and finding, finding gems to dig through. Um, but they don't tend to be clean. The opposite of that is the sort of corporatized Barnes & Noble looking comic store where it is unbelievably clean, very pristine. Everything is organized. You... You walk in and you you can find and, and customer service is paramount. You walk in, they're going to ask if they can help you. They're going you know. Whereas the other model, you might have the guy who's behind the the counter and he kind of grumbles when somebody walks in because um, now he's got to be social. I think uh, the clean corporatized approach is really really great for buying new books and for buying trades, but it doesn't necessarily lend itself to being a destination where you're going to go and you're going to spend hours digging around. And in, in that regard, it doesn't necessarily, that type of store doesn't do anything for me because they, they feel so dime a dozen. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a great business model to have. They, they don't have clutter. They probably have a much higher turnover than, uh, the, than the complete opposite model. They're not sitting at, they're not drowning in stuff hoarder style. But it's just, it's lacking something to me. There's nothing really different than me going on Amazon and buying something. You know, there's there's no, um, I guess there's, there's just no impetus for me to go in and, and dig around somewhere like that. I can go in, walk around, and be out. I'm not trying to buy t-shirts and Harley Quinn bottle openers. And um, I don't know, be- between the two of them, in our last trip, we found stores that were the the complete definition of both of those, and for better or worse, we we experienced uh, I think the pure purest distillation of what each of those kind of comic stores can be, <laughs> and it wasn't great. It wasn't great. So the the one now the first one that we went to was the new. The newer style, um, they don't even have any back issues. They just do new books and trades and they have bags and boards and you can buy, like I said, the Harley Quinn bottle openers and the the Deadpool head ice trays and there's a small section of magic packs, but they don't sell singles and you can buy, you know, uh, Pokemon packs, but they don't sell singles. Um, it, it didn't, it, I could have been in and out in five minutes and that... It didn't really do anything for me now. The other thing that I thought was kind of goofy was I asked the guy if they had any keys. And this is before I, I knew that they didn't really do back issues. And he's like, my keys? Like, he didn't even know what I was talking about. So when, you walk into, when I walk into a comic book store and I ask if they have any keys and the guy doesn't know what keys are or he reaches down on his belt, that's a big red flag to me. And that's usually somewhere I have no interest in sticking around or going back to. But what's your opinion? So for that shop,
0: uh, that's the shop that I got started with comics really on. So I can't be, I'm not going to be too, uh, (laughs) I don't have too many bad things to say about it. Um, No, they don't have back issues. Uh, But as we talked about, so I guess play by play while we were in the car, we got into the car after going there and one of us was agitated and the other one of us (laughs) was just living his normal life with a smile on his face. I smile a lot just if you couldn't pick that up. But um so we're driving down the road and you know you were you were noting like how how does this help the the comic industry? How does this help the the niche market that is comics and where you came from with 20 plus years of comics world knowledge was you're looking for something very different. For me when I got into comics in a in a more um I guess heavier hardcore type Stance. That was the store I started at mm-hmm. because that was the store that had the most new things coming out, which were the jumping on points for me. Essentially, um, beyond that, the customer service there it was always really good to me. Whenever I wanted to know something, the the man that was the gentleman that was uh, working behind the counter was very knowledgeable. And no, they didn't have single key issues or back issues, but he was always very good at pointing. Pointing to me uh, where those trades or hardcovers might be that contain those issues, and they do a
1: really good job of stocking those types of. Okay, things. but there's a so that was something that I that I don't want to say it necessarily rubbed me the wrong way, but I thought it was kind of stupid where because I when I asked for keys and he said, I ended up having to describe what keys are to a comic book store owner. And I said, big, big books, important, valuable books, investment grade books, books like uh, maybe a Hulk 181 or uh first racial ghoul, something like that. And he said, well, no, we don't have those because we have books to collect those over there. And I thought, all right, I know what trades are. I don't, you know, it, it to me, that did it, it did a disservice because you have a, a store or an employee or an owner, I don't know, who is sort of actively dissuading people from getting into the back issue market when they say something like that. Essentially, back issues, because they don't sell them, are not necessary. They're disposable because why buy a Doctor Strange 169 when you can buy this trade that collects it? Why have old comic books when you can just have this? No, you don't need that. We have these books that collect those comics, yeah. And again,
0: you're, it's kind you're, of ins- it's almost insulting to me. See, and I don't I don't take it that way. And I think that that's part of um, it's a business model, number one, and number two. Again, when you're break- getting into comics, you're not. So if you if you've never read a comic book, or maybe you've read Calvin and Hobbes, and you know Garfield, and you're ready to try Batman, you're not going in and asking for Detective Twenty Seven. You're not going in and asking for you know Batman Two Forty Four. You're not going in asking for Hulk 181, but if there's a trade of Hulk 181, and you're you're obliquely aware of Logan movies, and you want to know about Wolverine, that's a lot more mm-hmm. reasonable ask of a customer. And an, as a newer reader, or even an experienced reader who doesn't have a desire to purchase those high dollar key back issues, maybe you're on a fixed <clears> income, maybe you're on you know there's certain things that limit you from that. Having a store that has that um, open and available, and and a customer service representative. Mm-hmm. Staff member who can point you to where those are. I think that that's a great thing. Now we cover both ends of that and let's, spectrum.
1: Let's before we go any further, let's take. I let's let's not use uh, this phrase anymore. Let's not say at our store. Why don't we just take us completely out of the equation? Sure. We let's. There's not even any self promotion going on anymore. This is just. Sure. We'll, we'll say we'll talk uh, about stores that do what we want, but let's just be completely pretend they, that we're just consumers. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because I think that we can – because it would be too easy to just keep saying, well, we do this and we do that. And, you know, I'm, I, I want to approach it from a uh, – No, like that's you fine. said, completely persu- consumer perspective.
0: For me as a consumer, having been a consumer at that store, um, yes, there were pieces that were missing like back issues. But I would rather go into that store <clears throat> than a dingy dark – place that has back issues, that has terrible customer service. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. No, I'm just, oh, I'm sure, not even sure. speaking about that place particularly okay. that you're thinking of. I'm just speaking in generalities. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go to a dark shop. I don't want to go to a place where I have to seek everything out that I can't find easily. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking for them to put, you know, Eric walks in the door and they put the 12 issues that I'm looking for out on a pedestal for me and say, here they are. You don't even have to look. You know, I'm not asking for that. But at least when you walked into that first store that we went to, there's an alphabetical scheme. You can understand very easily. A starts on the left and wraps around to mm-hmm. the right. You know, those types of things. Don't have to explain it. Very well lit. Very open. Clean. You know, no stacks of things sure. on the floor. You know, all of those things, while they don't have the back issues, especially for people that are new to comics, that is, to me, a very as a customer personally acceptable way of doing it and not a negative at all.
1: So uh, let's address one thing that they do that I would assume is partly because they don't have back issues. Um, and they're, they're working on that fixed margin is they mark up all their variants. So yes. they mark up their beak. Their, and, we, and we have spent a lot of time and you have been more of a uh, advocate for not patronizing stores that mark up open to order variants, but now here we're we're talking about a store that marks up their open to order variants. Your DCB covers, oh yeah, and I, are, I don't are mean, marked up. They, I don't they agree put with them that. in a bag, not even a board. They put them in a bag and they mark them up. Is that?
0: Well, there were some that weren't, some that weren't. I couldn't figure out the the reasoning why. Yeah, but... there was
1: not there there wasn't a lot of rhyme or reason to the to that pricing. No, um, but they're
0: Marvel ones. Every Marvel variant, regardless of what it was, that was marked up at different right. levels. And, and no, I don't necessarily agree with, with that, especially on the open order variants. I don't mm-hmm. agree with that practice at all. I think we've, we've drained the well on that a couple of
1: times. For sure. That's just not. But that's something I, so in, but in this instance, you wouldn't dissuade people from going because of that. You wouldn't say, because you've said sure. that before, that if if that's a store that you're going to go somewhere else. But in this instance, you don't think that that's enough of. Uh, if you have other options that that
0: are better, then yes. Given all the stores that we went to that are in the area that we went to,
1: I would say go there over the other places personally okay. at this point. So the argument that I had made, and again, to everyone listening, Eric and I are getting completely different things out of going to comic book stores, and that's a and that's a yeah. good thing. Yeah, and that's but what we like. I said. It reminds me of nothing more than a comic book newsstand uh, where you where you walk in, you get the, the newest periodical, perhaps at a markup, and that's really it. There's no real benefit to going there and shopping around. It's, it's sort of utilitarian in that you go in, maybe you pick your books up, maybe you grab a trade. Maybe you run in there very quickly to do uh, some Christmas shopping and grab someone a uh Thanos bottle opener for their stocking. But there's nothing but it doesn't it doesn't really lend itself to what I think of as is the comic store experience where you go into the comic book store and you look around and you talk to the other people on Wednesday and you you dig through stuff and you bring your big lists in. It there's no real it doesn't lend itself to that. There's no real comic book. And uh, comic shop experience at a place like that. So my big question was, is a, is a store like this, is it good for the industry or does it merely exist? So I guess the I have a
0: counterpoint and then an answer. And to the point or, or the statement of this is like a newsstand, um, how many, probably hundreds of thousands, if not maybe millions of people picked up comics off of the newsstand or off the spinner rack at the grocery store and didn't have that comic shop, I use air quotes, experience, many. And that was in the heyday of when comics were selling more than they are now. Um, So I guess I can't really take that argument as, uh, or I guess I should say that, I can't take that point or that statement as saying that this is good or bad because that was how the industry was born and that's how it existed for decades. But then then the direct
1: market evolved.
0: Right, but it, it, it... you could on, you could say, you could look at the numbers and say right now that the market thrived better in that model than it does today. Today. Now, there's a, a span in the middle where everything goes wishy-washy. Well, yeah,
1: but, but I'm just saying, there were- People also rode more horses. I mean, and it I doesn't, would, you it know doesn't what? necessarily- How many times
0: have you had to change oil on your horse? Uh, all the time. Or put in windshield washer fluid? Usually it's off to the old glue factory. Right. So, Um, but no, it just, and again, it's not what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I'm just saying that argument for me falls flat because there's, that was the way that many, 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 many people got into comics. Um, So the question of, does it do a disservice to the industry? I'd say absolutely not. Does it
1: do it a, a, I'm not saying if it, it does a disservice, it's sort of, it's either there or it's doing a service to the industry. I think it's doing a service to the industry.
0: That particular model for that particular store in that particular market is doing a service to the industry. And the reason I say it's doing a service to the industry is that there's no shop um, in that largely populated area of the state that we went to that has the expansive amount of new titles. There is no shop that has um, the customer service added on top of all of those new titles. Now, we'll talk about customer service at another location Mm -hmm. in a little bit Um, and actually we'll talk about two locations of customer service you know as we go down the line here but as far as what that shop does um, in my opinion as a more recent uh, reader and a more recent consumer of the comics product uh, I think that a I'm very thankful and b I hope you're very thankful that that's the shop that I chose to go to when I was living up there and working up there Mm -hmm. as opposed to another one, which would have completely turned me off to everything. Yeah. Um, So does it do a service? Yeah, it does. I'm right here. I am that embodiment of the service that it did provide. I've outgrown the service that they provide. That I think is a very, very true statement. And I think that that is something that um, anyone who's interested in wanting to open a comic store should be aware of what, where, where's your limit. Now we, I know from talking to this, the individual that was behind the counter a couple of years back, um, they don't do back issues because number one, they don't feel like they can get a steady stream of them and Number two, they don't have a staff person with enough knowledge to be able to quickly understand and look at the things that are coming in. And number three, they don't want to have to
1: adjust their store layout to short sighted. First, to address one point. Yeah. That we have, I, I truly believe one of the greatest comic markets in in this state, out of the entire country. The amount of product that's floating around, and that, especially in, in in that specific area, because of the because it used to have a, a distribution hip company out of it, and and the other thing is we have a, a very deep roots in the direct market here. One of the first first states to have direct market stores and. We've got a, a lot of old vendors and old dealers and collectors that have been that have been selling comics actively since the 1970s, you know uh, So we have an incredible amount of product floating around here. And to say that there's not a, a steady influx of books, we've had this this week alone, we've had four collections come in. We've had two people call about collections, and tomorrow morning I'm coming in early to buy, or look at at least, a 17 long box collection someone's bringing in. The product is completely out there. To me, it just smacks of malaise more than anything else. It's leaving money on the table, and I, I understand some of the other points, I the, the, the only actually the only one that I'll give credence to is that they don't have the knowledge to do it, but you know when whenever I, whenever you hire anyone at your other job or whenever I have hired anyone, uh, they how many people do you actually hire with the knowledge to sit down and start the job perfectly from day one? You have to you have to teach skills and right. you have to have people learn and adapt to the job that they're being hired for. So I, I guess I just, to me, it just, it smacks of laziness. We don't want to hire, have to hire or train someone to do this. So we're just not going to do it. Yeah. And furthermore, the not wanting to rejigger their store. I mean, you put up two tables and you put some long boxes on them. I, I guess I that's another argument. I, I don't completely see. Um, the, the one that holds more weight is the, is the knowledge and, and uh, abilities to, to, comb through and price. But I think that's something that you could teach and train.
0: I agree. Um, you asked, is that is it short sighted? Is their business model short sighted? And uh, I think the for me the obvious answer is, well, it's not the business model we would choose. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly isn't short sighted if they've existed very profitably for over twenty plus years, right? So, I mean, there there is a. It's not like they've only been
1: there three years. If they'd been there three years, well, we could say there's a question. But that's leaving so short-sighted is not, is not the right way to approach it. But leaving money on the table is, I guess it. It's really
0: it depends on what they want to do with it. You know mm-hmm. what they want to do with their store. They are very happy with what they have, and they make sure. a lot of money with what sure. they have. So, um, I guess again, while it's not, it in no, I have outgrown their offerings. Uh, but I'm very thankful that that was the place that I got to start because it did give me a good place to begin. And, um, before we go on to any more stores, we're on the, the comic book page Slack channel. Uh, and you had tossed the question out there. You had said, you know, we're running around to different stores. What do you as the people on the Slack Mm -hmm. channel find as, um, things that make a good store? And we had Drew, Spidey saves the day, Brawlinator, John, Perseus, Fudd, Dr. Mo, Chilean Hustle, and I think one or two other people all chime in with decent lists of things. And one of the common threads among all of those is customer service. So even if the store can't meet every other need, if you have good customer service, at the very least, that does make a difference. So, well, of course, of course. And I think that... Which is a great segue.
1: Well, <laughs> so after that, yeah, you, you mentioned we were talking in the car and we didn't have... I I totally uh am, am playing devil's advocate here for the most part. I get that Just devil stores yeah. <laughs> I get the stores like that need to exist. They they don't do anything for me. Uh it it's the type of thing that I guess I just uh I was lucky enough to have lots of uh Stores that growing up that didn't necessarily have great customer service, but they had decent customer service and it had the kind of offerings that I had wanted. Um, so to say so again, to me, I, it just, it reminds me of going to a Barnes and Noble and that's not necessarily a, a bad thing, um, but it's not what I want out of the comic book or comic shop experience. That being said, uh, I, I do definitely understand that it, it's a model that is, like you said, it can be very entry level. It is good, it is good for the for the industry. Um, but it's just a, not a place that I would have any any need to go to. Now, the opposite of that was the next place that we went to, which was your typical stereotypical comic shop that's been around forever. Piles of crap everywhere. I mean, you could, you had to keep your eyes on the floor at all times because you never knew when you were going to step on something, when you were going to kick something. Boxes piled hither and yon. Um, no real organization to anything. Um, all of the back issues they had were stacked horizontally with no boards. Yep. So you couldn't really, and they were on shelves. So books, you couldn't, right. So you couldn't dig through them. You would have to take, if you could even get to it, you would have to take a giant stack and set it down. And the next thing was none of them were priced. None of the back issues were priced. Nope. So we go in, we're looking around. uh, First thing we see is a stack of books right on the ground. And they had a couple first taskmasters, some other books. So what are the prices on these? And the guy said, well, none of that stuff's priced. My pricing guy is not here. Well, we've come to learn that he is the pricing guy, but yeah. he, um, he never prices anything day of. He always makes you come back. Right. Long story short, we ask him if he had any keys, and he starts throwing books at us. You want to see keys? Yep. It, like, literally throwing the books. Yep. And he's throwing... In bags with no boards. Yeah, in bags, no boards. He's throwing... Um, he threw a one eighty one at us. Yeah, that he said was five thousand dollars. I said, "Well, I said, uh, do you have any any graded books?" And he said, "I don't do I don't do that. I don't do graded books." Um, he, but he wouldn't. There were he had books I was asking for prices on. He he wouldn't sell them. Yep. He was just showing them off. And he said, "I'll come back Monday." I said, "We're from out of town. We're not gonna. We're not coming back Monday." I he just he. I mean, speaking of leaving money on the table, here you literally have someone who's saying, I will give you money. give you thousands of dollars for some of these books. Maybe. Maybe. But if we can reach an agreement. Right. And he's like, well, he's like, you know, I don't know what the problem is. I can ship it to you. He's like, okay, we're not interested. Yeah,
0: Yeah, let's just ship a $5,000, well, in his opinion, $5,000
1: book in the mail. Yeah. So the other thing was they had new books on old magazine-style racks, but the new books weren't... I mean, there were some recent books, but he had new books going back to five, six years ago. It's just an accumulation of crap. There was no real rhyme or reason to it. It was a total mess. The guy was a tremendous, tremendous blowhard and a a real jerk. Yep. Um, We heard him. There were two or three other customers that came in while we were there. He was rude to everyone. He was rude to a mother with her kid. He was rude to... A guy who looked like he was a regular and I just, I couldn't, under, I couldn't believe it. Going from from the, the previous place, which was the complete opposite and me thinking, I'm, I'm glad I didn't grow up with a store like this, uh, to going to that kind of place made me think that there, there's just, there needs to be a, a happy medium.
0: Well, yeah. And the other thing too is that this guy wasn't even fully aware of his stock right right and well, I, how
1: could you be with with the amount of stuff in there i mean well, I there's some know.
0: so i i had three simple questions for him related to his stock because there were two things that i'm just always on the hunt for and one thing that i knew he had and he had multiple of mm-hmm. so i figured i would ask and see if he knew that so i went and asked for the first two things which are both out of print hard covers and his response was no i wouldn't have those and i said well what about in this case it was Punisher Max Trade Volume One. I, he had three on the shelf. I said, "What about Punisher Max Trade uh, Volume One?" He goes, "No, I, I don't have that either. I'm all sold out." Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is and and he didn't budge maybe three inches from the doorway that he was standing in when I was asking him these. So it's yeah, it, there and, wasn't and, even an interest of you know what I <clears throat> may let me go check the shelf or let me point you in the right direction. I, I would have even taken that. You know, at least you're you're guiding me somewhere. But no, he was just bad customer service. Oh, yeah.
1: Total arrogance, and then the other thing it was, was dark, dingy. Oh, the windows were all covered. Absolutely. The other thing was he was talking about. He, he he even made some comment about how he didn't care if somebody didn't buy a book out of the store that he'd sell it online. And I I I don't know. It was we just walked out because there was no point in standing oh no Whoa. well before that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so before that i did i did find a couple books and i said look man i said what What are the prices on these and i i got the the first taskmaster and he looks at it and he's like uh 85 and he said 85 maybe in that shape maybe a, a 50 dollar book i didn't say that to him i just said okay and just set it down and uh we find out afterwards from somebody uh that went there once and never went back that he apparently prices all of his back issues at not at despite the fact that he hates grading books, he prices all of his stuff at the 98 CGC price. Doesn't matter if it's a very good and it's in a bag with no board, whatever the nine nine eight prices, that's what he prices it at. Just, I mean, just horrible. Just horrible. It was uh, one of the worst comic store experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. So it was funny to go from one to the other because it was a, it was a total dichotomy. And
0: what was all even the complaints... more entertaining was we left the first one. And like I said, somebody in the car was a little owly in the passenger seat. I was the driver. Um, we left the second store and all I had to do was look at you. And you were like, "Don't even say it."
1: <laughs> well, no, I was. I was saying I can. I can admit it. You know, I mean, that's the, this store is much worse. It has what I'm. In theory, it had what I was looking for. Of course, it did. But it was a horrible experience, and I wouldn't. I would never send anyone there. Oh. Um, it. So it's. I don't know. It's the type of thing where you have to. There is no. There isn't a perfect store. There really isn't, and there there never will be, but what makes a store like that, you know, I don't, I know, I guess I just, I don't even know how a place like that can stay in business. I see how the other store can stay in business. It, it's very, it's very obvious. I just don't know how that one can stay in business, you know, unless the guy owns the building or he lives upstairs or something. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, anyway, so that was our... Uh, second store that we went to, and it was uh, it was not a positive one. No. After that, we went to another store. You want to start on this one? So, this the third store that we
0: went to, maybe it was the fourth or fifth at this point, but the third notable store that we went to was uh, someone that we had met a couple years ago doing a local convention. Hey, he he's had, a nice guy. Yeah, he had just opened up uh, his store, and he was basically kind of started off by selling a lot of his personal collection. Um, and he does not do new books at all. He just does back issues right now. And we thought, you know, let's go check out his his location, say hi, see what's going on. And we walked in, very small. It's a very small location, but super clean, mm-hmm. really well laid out, looks really great. Um, and we just got to pick in his brain a little bit on stuff. He had a nice... Little wall of of key books, um, some really good ones, you know, some modern stuff, some older stuff. It, mm-hmm. it was it was a nice little selection. It's probably what 10, 12 long boxes of uh, of back
1: issues that were priced at different different levels. No, I'd say he had about he had about twenty boxes of stuff. He had about he had about, well, yeah, right. boxes, he had about twenty long boxes. And then he had um, he had some stuff underneath. Then he had four long bo- or four short boxes on the on the yeah. end, kind of capping it off. That's right. And then underneath that. He ran all of his trades. Yep. I mean, so he, he really
0: maximized his space, mm-hmm. easy to flow through, and a couple of customers were in there, came in and went, and he spent probably, what, we talked to him for almost an hour just chatting and whatnot, yep. and as the customers were coming in, you know, they were making comments to us about how great of a store it is, how great this guy is, um, you know, and and it was just, it was really... It was a great experience, you know, and we kind of chatted back and forth about what product lines he carries and what does well because he's in a different market area Mm -hmm. than what we are. Um, And
1: we are not the type of people for in somebody else's store uh, where if somebody's asking for something, some guy was asking for certain books that we knew we had, but we're not going to say. Right. You know, we're not going to – we don't want to butter their bread. Right. Um, But it was just – it was an
0: overall – a much, much better experience, especially from where we had come from. Um, but this guy's, you know, back issues. He had, because of the market area, he's in, he had a few more of the tchotchke type things, the keychains and stuff like that, mm-hmm. hats, socks. Uh, he had a couple of t shirts, um, some figures, some board games. So, I mean, he had a, a variety of different things, and we were kind of picking his brain on what product lines are moving, and he said he had a pretty good balance. I mean, he did most of his money was coming in off of back issues, but as far as the rest of the product lines, he had a decent balance on mm-hmm. things. Um, some of the impulse buys versus some of the, um, non impulse buys, the, the bigger items. So it was, it was great. I mean, we had a long, uh, discussion with him about what, uh, we can do with him. And, uh, as far as if there's things that we can help him with from a store side, he's offered to help us a little bit with some things. So, I mean, it was just, it seems like we're going to have a nice partnership kicking off. Mm-hmm. So, no, I,
1: I like the store. I like the, he had, uh, a couple of glass cases where he had, some Gen 1 Transformers. He had uh, some like uh, big little books and just a bunch of other random kind of neat stuff, that type of thing that I look for when I go out finding that, uh, that treasure, that item that you don't find anywhere else. He had some cool stuff in there. And um, I think that out of all the stores that we went to, if I lived in that area, that's the one that I would probably frequent. Of course, the one issue being that they don't have the new books. Right. So you could supplement that with a pull list at the first location. However, we talked to the this third, third one we're talking about. We talked to
0: him, and he's looking at starting up, getting the new books to come in. But, you know, so if that does come to fruition yeah, he and he's might. able to get those in, then that would be kind of your all-in-one,
1: what you're looking for. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think um, it's, again, that that would be the perfect balance then if he got if he got new books in if he ends up doing that because then you would have a store that offers everything but again the problem in that area now is you have to segment what you're looking for you have to go here for your new books and then maybe one of these other places if you want to dig through back issues and there's not one perfect store to go to you know and that's the big the big sort of issue that i have is there's not a. If I lived in that area, there's not a uh, one size fits all store that you could go to and dig around. Like, even in, even in our area, taking us out of the equation, you can find some stores that that have a little bit of everything or a lot yeah. of one thing, but a little bit of the rest. Uh, that area doesn't seem to really have that. No, it's just pockets. It's pockets of different
0: things. Exactly. So, and there's there was another shop that uh, was in town that we went to, which is they've they've got other locations that we've been to. It's the same thing. Um, they have some new books. They have back issues. A lot of what we would consider overpriced back issues. Uh, Very overpriced. Like, yeah.
1: So we won't even.
0: We won't just. We won't
1: go into. Well, that but story. you know the other. So the other argument is, how do you price your books? And do you do you price your books based on a price guide, based on some arbitrary uh, numbers set up by? comic realm or overstreet or do you have a realistic idea of what people are looking for and the prices people are willing to pay and i think that's where going to shows is very valuable for doing back issues now this guy that had the store that has back issues but he doesn't do new books he obviously as we said we met him at a show so he goes to shows i think he's got an understanding of the market what people are looking for but i think the most valuable thing that any any store owner could do would be to start attending some local shows or even some bigger shows now San Diego's not not going to be a, a viable microcosm of what the back issue market looks like but going to local shows is going to give you an idea of what's selling even if you go there and you don't spend any money right just look at what people are looking for what are they what are they buying what are they asking for what are what are the the dealers bringing with them to stock because the dealers are the guys more than likely that do, they probably just sell at shows, the majority of these guys. So what, if they're bringing something specific, it's probably for a reason and look at the price. What, what are they pricing their, their books at? And if one looks high to you, then see if that guy doesn't sell anything, right. you know, that show, but get an idea of what, because realistically that, that, Issue of Jimmy Olsen you have that Overstreet tells you is worth sixty eight dollars is probably worth two, right? And a lot of the store, specifically the one that you had just brought up, unfortunately, they price everything based on Overstreet, whether it's a key or not, whether it's a random issue of Jimmy Olsen, it's going to be what what the Overstreet price is. And if the Overstreet very fine price for that book is fifty eight dollars, the book's fifty eight dollars. Right Now, if you you come in when it's half off, you get it for a little bit cheaper, but you're still buying it for about $27 over what the market price really is on it.
0: Right. Now, we did did the episode talking about prices, and we talked about there are a few pockets where the Overstreet is the best resource you have. Mm -hmm. You know, the obscure stuff, a lot of golden age things that you don't see popping up on auctions very frequently. So, it's not to dissuade anyone from using Overstreet, it's just be aware of what you're using it for because certain applications,
1: it is not accurate. Well, if it, no. And and we, like we said, we always have a copy of Overstreet, but if, if a store prices, their back issues on Overstreet, you probably don't want to buy back issues from them. Right. Um, So my, I guess our, our big takeaway from this last trip was there, there isn't a perfect store in this area. Unfortunately, there's just not a, or that area, I should say. It's just not a perfect store. It doesn't exist. Um, there's no perfect store anywhere, like we said. But you really would have to. You'd really have to go to multiple locations to get what I consider to be the full comic book store experience. At a yeah, a, a cohesive experience that's not.
0: How do I want to say this? You can go uh, so. We're kind of in the middle of a couple of areas, Mm -hmm. right? The one area we're talking about, there is no comprehensive offering. The other major
1: metropolitan areas,
0: right? The other one that we're near does have a couple of offerings, but there's a deficiency in one area or another as a consumer, in my eyes, and that is it usually comes in the way of overpriced items. Mm -hmm. Um, So finding striking that balance is is crucial, and uh, yeah, as a consumer, you want you want the best value for your dollar, but you also want to have a lot of offerings available to you.
1: Now, interestingly enough, one of the big um, Milwaukee chains uh, just closed another location. Yep. So they're down to two from four that they had two years ago. And I've heard rumblings that, uh, and the the person I've heard the rumblings from has been right about both of the other closings, that there may be a third location closing and then they'll consolidate to one. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that's word through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Um, I do so I do wonder what the viability for the comic book store market is gonna be in one year or three years or s- certainly five years because I think there are a lot of the area that we just that we just explored there's a lot of comic stores there are a lot of per capita stores. yeah I mean sure, there's, there's a, a lot of a,
0: 200 so that area was about 225 for the main city so you figure about 450 for the entire Market area, mm-hmm. and I think there were there's a total of like six comic stores in that region. So I mean, that's pretty dense for there are, comic stores per right.
1: capita. There's a lot of comic stores, and I wonder what what the what can the market truly support right now. Uh, do we have too many stores? Mm-hmm. Can the can the small stores take? Now the nice thing. So this guy that that we went to that just did back issues uh, that had a nice clean store. He's. Let's say that Marvel Legacy bombs and that next year uh, we see a, a giant crash in the uh, the new book market. I'm not saying it's going to – obviously, could never be like the 90s crash because you don't have a million people buying comics now. But this guy is completely uh, – He's immune to it. He, yeah, absolutely. The stores – and now this – and then the other guy that we got terrible customer service from – Let's face it, he's probably immune to it too. Yeah. Um but again, we you know, we don't know for all for all we know, he just does it for the hell of it. His now. customers are the legacy at
0: this point. Forty no. years
1: worth of Exactly. Being treated like But the one that yeah. but the first one that we went to, he's he's certainly not gonna be immune to the effects of something like that. So I wonder all of these little stores that do one thing well or maybe two things well, but they don't do everything, are those the stores that are going to go belly up in six months if there's another market crash, and maybe—and I hate to say it—but do we kind of need that to happen in some areas? Kind of a right-sizing of the uh, the brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah, I think in the la- just the last couple of years, you've had so many stores pop up that are based on selling the idea of comics, but not necessarily selling comics they sell funko pops of comic characters and they sell we we joke about the the deadpool head ice trays but that's what a lot of these places mm-hmm. sell they sell a lot of t-shirts i wonder if it is a uh, kind of a, a fad to have those kitschy stores where they they sell the idea of comics it's like the the joke about the kardashians wearing like slayer shirts you know is it that type of thing where they're making money now by selling Funko Pops and Harley Quinn bottle openers. But can that last? Can that maintain a store on on every couple of blocks in these major metropolitan areas? Or are we due for a course correction where we have a lot of stores that, that kind of close because they they were a niche. They were a small niche, kind of a kitschy one that didn't have any real longevity. Is that what we're going to be seeing in the next couple of years? I And I... I actually think that that's going to happen. I think we're going to see a lot of stores close. I think we're going
0: to see a number of stores close. I think actually it might be a more balanced approach than just stores closing. I think what we're going to see is more of what you were saying. The the chain that had four now down to two and maybe one. There's a regional chain kind of in our larger Midwest area that has a number of locations now reaching close to double digits. And I would not be shocked if you see that slim down. I mean, I think that... There's a level of um, right-sizing that needs to happen. There, there's also the thing that people, I guess, when we're looking at uh, talking about how many comic stores exist, and we hear everything from the upper mid-to-upper 2000s to the mid-to-upper 3000s. And there's one key facet that a lot of people maybe know but don't say or they just aren't thinking about it, is that a lot of the retailers that we're seeing pop up now and retailers in quotes, um, basically new diamond accounts. I, I think that there's a healthy number of those that are not brick and mortar stores. They're con sellers, not right. con artists, but like convention sellers. Mm-hmm. And they are playing the variant games, you know, specifically with Marvel and things like that. And the question I guess I, I have to piggyback on yours is I think we do expect to see a contraction of brick and mortar comic stores but do we see a continued ex- expansion of the con-only sellers that are, you know, ordering the books straight into their basements and and garages or do we see that
1: shrink as well or stay the same? Well, I think it would be it, it would depend on what the crash was. Because a market if it's a variant crash then because, Well, yeah, but I don't see I don't see a variant crash because a market correction by definition is is taking Whatever market it is to where it, it should to belong. where it's supposed right. to be and where right. it, where it belongs, um, I think I think variants are here to stay. I think what might change is and we obviously just a couple of shows ago talked about variants ad nauseum. Now I, my belief that they actually help the industry more than they hurt it, uh, depending on the company and how it's done. Correct. Yep. But I think if anything. What you would see, I don't think you would see people abandoning buying variant covers. Mm -hmm. I think you would just see entire series go away. You would see maybe Marvel, maybe Marvel will do as many variant covers, but maybe they only put out 30 books, which seems uh, completely impossible and unheard of right now. But I don't see why it couldn't happen. Uh, DC consolidated so well. And and people criticize DC for for canceling a lot of the lower tier titles and then putting Batman out twice a month. but It's working. It's working. It it, people continue to add
0: it to their pull list. People continue to talk about it and they're mm-hmm. excited about it. And I think it just goes back in a, to the discussions we've had before. Quantity isn't always the winner. It's quality.
1: If you're writing good stuff, if you have good art, if you have a good package, you're going to sell it. Well, there's a, and, and there's a lot of stuff that we would love to sell here too. Sure. That we don't sell. There's a lot of products that oh, would yeah. be fun to bring in. But we know that we're not going to make... We'd love to have 12 bookshelves full of trades and hardcovers. Well, I don't even... I don't just mean that. I just mean there's entire product lines. Oh, sure. That sure. it would be cool to do, but we just... We're, there's no market for it here, so we don't do it. But what's happening right now with Marvel and what DC was doing is they're saying, we're going to bring... The, it'd be the equivalent of us bringing this stuff in. If we... Like, we want to do model trains, let's say. We don't know anything about model trains. We don't really know if there's much of a market in this area for selling model trains. Although I guess there's probably more of one now that Hobby Town closed, but no, because uh, remember there's the Hobby Train. Well, that's place. right. Yeah, but let's just say that we decide to do it, and we are not selling any trains, but we keep ordering trains, and we keep telling people they should check out our trains, and the trains don't sell, but we keep doing it. That's what Marvel's doing with these titles. That's what DC was doing for the longest time when with all the DCU titles and everything. They they made the smart decision, and people some people criticize them for it, but. People buy Batman. Mm-hmm. Let's put it out twice a month, mm-hmm. and not put out a Doctor Fate book, and not put out Aquaman and the others. Nobody's buying it. Why are you Why are you trying to force it on people? And Marvel has not learned that lesson yet. So I think Marvel's Marvel's going to have to learn that, and even if it means they they put out half the amount of titles that they put out, which I think everyone would agree is a ridiculous amount, but they get better more stable sales on those core books. I think that's the type of thing that's going to keep... That's how you're going to see the the market change. And they could do 15 variant covers for each book, but if they're only putting out 30 books instead of 120. yeah. I would... I, yeah, and I guess to piggyback on that, I would rather see... And, and we've seen them, I'm not to cut you off, but on the subject of Marvel stealing ideas from DC... Oh my gosh. They just stole the whole lenticular thing. Yep. So who's to say that they... I don't think that they would have a, a, any... I wish they would shame. steal the returnability idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think they'd have any shame in stealing the the double shipping core titles and cutting a lot of the the fat off idea from DC. Well, see, I don't think they're going to ever, at this point,
0: with the current leadership that they have, I don't think that that leadership's direction is mm-hmm. to cut titles and slim, mm-hmm. slim down. I think that, uh, yeah, we talked about this before, I think that part of Marvel's, designs, or they want to flood the market, flood the shelves with yeah. Marvel product, and I think part of it is it's a, it's a numbers game. They want to show that they're top dog. So all that aside, the one thing that I wish Marvel would um, consider, or maybe consider a little bit more closely, is instead of having seven ongoing Deadpool titles, give me one good ongoing Deadpool title, and then rotate through Deadpool miniseries one at a time. Right, so don't have Deadpool, don't have um, the Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe again, Deadpool versus Punisher, all of these things overlapping, Deadpool Mm -hmm. the Duck, it just gets exhausting. And what ends up happening is you get people who say, you know what, I was getting all four of these and I just, I'm burnt out, I don't want any of them. So on top of losing the sales on those other smaller books, you lose the sale on the main title too. And that's really where it hurts is when the main title starts losing its
1: sales numbers. That's where you're, yeah, but you're, to, da- you're in danger. So to take it back to the store conversation, uh, I think if you got to look at it like this, that there's maybe let's let's continue to beat a dead horse and use Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. We don't keep extra copies of it on the shelf because nobody buys it, right? And its market is Scholastic, and right, and we don't even have anyone who's subscribed to it anymore. Nope, we don't. There's, there's so many of these books that they want to keep going that I guess they say there's a market for it, and okay, that's fantastic, um, but we don't see it here, so we just don't carry those books. Right. So it's not like if they cancel the Fringe books, we're going to lose a bunch of money. We're, we're not stocking them. I don't know how that affects some of the bigger stores, uh, but I think that... So to go back to a market correction... I think if anything, what's going to happen is they're going to have to cut titles, and I think cutting titles could actually help the stores that order that order correctly because it's going to help them have a better sell through. I think they're going to have to.
0: I'm not so with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. There is a very vocal uh, contingent of people that love that that title in that series, Mm -hmm. and we we have we being you and I and thank you, Drew, for uh, being the one to take the hits for it, but. You know, heard from the creative group behind Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur claiming that they're getting royalty checks that are some of the largest in Marvel for the sell-through that they're having in trade format in Scholastic. So for me, I don't I guess I don't really care if Marvel's gonna publish fringe titles. My my question or my concern is to go back to the disservice to the industry. Does it do a disservice to have a book that sells really miserable in single format? And I'm and I don't mean to be negative and say miserable. I should say very low quantities in the single issue format. Why not just put it into an OGN or trades every you know every three months, four months? Are those seven thousand copies of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur that are coming out every month? Is that really keeping the interest? I don't think so because well, if you're I selling know if that's it. It's tens of thousands of trades through Scholastic. Those people aren't coming into the shop to look. Did that next
1: issue come out? Good because in three months I'm buying it from Scholastic. It's got to be. It, there has to be some industry. Uh, Inside baseball to that. I mean, maybe there has to be. But what you, is it? For well, all we know, mean, okay. You so know. they're getting these big royalty checks, but I don't know. What if that monthly check for issue twenty nine is what's helping uh, the writer pay their rent? I don't know or their mortgage. There could be a lot, a lot more behind that that we don't know. Sure, but we
0: have a good friend who was publishing single issues and trades, and abandoned single issues and just went to trades because the yeah. cost of printing was not worth it in single issues, selling at five thousand. But he could supplement that with other work, and I'm sure that many of these other creators can do that as well if they choose to. Fair enough. And well, they with, don't have—they don't all happen to be talented artists, though. Well, this is true, but I guess it goes back to my question of: Is that good for the industry? Is it good for Marvel? Is that—is Marvel bleeding money on one title and having to make up for it? And that's—that's that's the question that I guess as a—we're not going to be able to answer. We don't have those numbers. No but to go back to the moon girl and devil dinosaur item is it's just that question of in a market correction for me it would make more sense for marvel to say you know what we're going to cut the fringe title from monthly sales but we're going to keep it and it's going to be in trade so you're not really losing your customer base you're just
1: adjusting how you're publishing it what if now what if marvel or dc or, anybody... <laughs> or Image <laughs> or idw well i think nah, uh, you now this wouldn't apply to them okay let's say marvel and dc applied a, what if they they put it out there? We are going to cancel any book that drops below this number, mm-hmm. twenty thousand. And if you if you like the book, get your friend to read the book. It's close to cancellation numbers. If you like the book, buy a copy of the first trade and give it to your friend. They, should, I think, if they started setting those numbers, uh, and and saying, look, fans, we you know you like the book. We want to keep it going, but you have to help us. I bet you would see some of these people really jump through hoops to keep a book going. Oh, I think so. I think you'd also see creators, but they'd have to pushing. pull. But they'd have to pull the trigger on these books if they they would have to. They couldn't let people call their bluff, you know. Right. If if a book hits seven thousand copies a month, cancel it. Yeah, or and show make that people that they're to trade. Right, and show people that if you really like a book, I mean, make. Make the reader work for you. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that would be a I, no. Great I thing. agree. I think be a great thing for stores too. Yep. Yep. So uh, store wise, I think in like I said, in the next couple of years, we're going to see some big major changes, and I think that stores that out of all the ones we went to, the one who would probably suffer the most is the one that had the best customer service, because. And have, not having anything to do with their customer service because that's their business model is is selling new stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I would say that the third the third one we talked about had the best customer service, but yeah, you no, know,
1: exactly, exactly. So
0: you're yeah, you're saying that the the new book offering with no back issue stands to, to lose the most, and I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. And it's not, it, but they now they lasted through the first crash. They did, and I think what what has helped them to last is because they've had over twenty five years in the market, and for a while they were really the only dog in town Mm -hmm. um, that was doing that volume of new books. I think that that really is what kept them afloat. But now as more competition creeps up and the landscape of retailing changes, does that pose a bigger risk? I will say it had been about three years since I'd been in that store, and there's more kitschy crap now than there was then.
1: Oh, exactly. So that's, that's, the thing. that's, that's, that's also the a place where there's some concern. How many? How many um, shows like, do you go to where the where you have nine or ten vendors that are just selling Funko Pops? Yeah. You know, now we joke about the we joke about the cosplay junk at uh, conventions. You go to a comic convention, there's people selling fairy wings and magic wands and things like that. That okay that that kind of stuff whatever it, I really like necessarily... those pink wings you picked up last time oh they I have mine now um that's the type, I guess that doesn't necessarily bother me does it have a spot at a at a comic show no um but I'll, I'll give them a bigger pass than the guys selling uh, gutters and well, shingles yeah but we we so for anybody who doesn't know uh, why when you go to a, a comic book show or a larger show and you see people that are selling uh, like you said, they're they're selling siding or they're selling Geico. Roof. Geico was that one. The the reason that they're there is whenever there's different tiers that the show organizers have, and when they get to a certain point for the show, and they don't have these booths filled, then they have this this next tier of pricing which is cheaper, and they'll offer it to the well, they'll offer it to the guys selling gutters or the guys who are who are going to come in and re-roof your house or something. After that, if they can't fill them in with those guys, that's when they go to the army, they go to the uh, online colleges, things like that. Because if they start offering reduced rates to comic book dealers, they dilute their brand yep. and they dilute the value of the brand. And all of a sudden, everybody just waits until uh, two weeks before the show to get a $800 spot instead of a $1,600 spot. Yep. So that's why those guys are there and they're not paying a ton to get in. good times so um yeah that was kind of a from the road recap
0: of things that we observed um we you know we have to get up to the twin cities because we have a couple friends up there that have a shop but there's also a shop that i want to take you to and get your reactions on that exclusively handles trades and hardcovers
1: okay is it is it the one that sells um a lot of out of print ones
0: no, no, it's predominantly new stuff. Okay. But I just want to see... I've not been there. I want to see sure. how it's laid out, and I'd like to get your reaction. And there's a couple of shops up there that I've dug through that have some decent depth of back issues, maybe not into the Silver
1: Age, but good
0: Bronze Age stuff, so...
1: one, Well, on the subject of that, one that I've heard is supposed to be a really good store is Jim Hanley's Universe. Yep. I think it's in uh, New York. It's Man- is it Manhattan? It's... Uh, I don't... I don't know. I was in Greenwich, so I don't okay. know.
0: Well, either but way, yes, I, heard that.
1: this guy's been around forever, and I guess his sort of uh, his specialty is selling out of print and valuable trades and hardcovers. So he's got stuff going back decades and decades and decades. It's kind of like an antique bookseller, but with, with comics and, and trades. I mean, and I actually, think that's really neat. I've seen pictures of the store. It looks like it's laid out. Uh, meticulously and it looks like it's filled with cool stuff i mean the type it's the type of place that i could probably spend an entire day at yeah yeah
0: in new york especially if you get into like the manhattan area there's there's a lot of fun little things to to do a lot of pocket places to go and visit so i'll be back out in december so anyone who lives in manhattan especially in the greenwich area i will be back out there for one day december 4th (laughs) if you want to Get up, give me a high five, whatever. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to meet up if my schedule allows what it. What he's but... trying
1: to do is get you to buy him a beer.
0: No, um, unfortunately, I'll be working, so uh-huh. it'll be... You can buy me lunch, or if you play it right, I might end up buying you lunch, I guess. that That's an option, if too. If you're cute. You don't even have to be cute, just nice. Okay. Because I'd never buy you lunch if that was the
1: case. Because I am cute? Because you're not cute. No. <laughs> just kidding.
0: All right. Well, um... I guess uh, a couple other things to note, again, we'll we'll probably be saying this for the next few episodes, Uh, October 28th, huge day in the shop, our uh, big convention for the year, we've got a number of folks coming in, we have Garth Ennis, Joe Pruitt. Well, let's, so let's announce who is doing our very cover. I was just going to say that, so. For Jimmy's Bastards, issue four. Issue four, we have a. From
1: Aftershock, with a capital S.
0: That's right, we have a, uh, an artist who we know very well, who's. Got a friend of the store. A big friend. Got quite a history of amazing work. Uh, so Mr. Phil Hester will be doing our exclusive variant cover. Um, we will have more details about that online. You don't have to be in the store to get it. Uh, we'll have just a full range of products. Phil will be here as well. So yeah. we'll have Garth, Yeah, so not only Joe. is he
1: doing the variant cover, but he's going to be here next to Garth then is signing right. the
0: variant. So we
1: will have Garth,
0: Phil, Joe. We have Otis Frampton coming back in. Maybe working on one or two other people yet. Uh, if you are in the area or if you're like Drew and you are making a special trip for this, uh, by all means, let us know if you're coming so we can, you know, get out the red carpet or at least, uh, sweep out the front stoop a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, we will be making sure that we have a lot of other product for the, for the, um, the creators in stock and we will have full opportunities for things to get signed. If you want to get your book signed and sent off to, uh, cbcs cgc whatever we will have all of that stuff all that paperwork ready to rock and roll so uh for james and myself we will sign off with that and talk to you next time On behalf of all of us, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cowcast. You can find us on all the main social media outlets, including Facebook at facebook.com slash Incredicow, on Twitter at Incredicow, or on Instagram at Cowabunga Comics. To send an email to us directly, send it to podcast at cowabungacomics.com, or to join in the discussion, you can hop on our new Cowabunga Comics forum at forums.cowabungacomics, that's cowabunga with a K, dot com.